we've got a very special guest with us, Sarah. Um, and, you know, life brings you to a lot of different places. And I'm very lucky to have met Sarah myself and heard her story. And so we wanted to give her the opportunity to share that story because um, people have lots of questions in their life, right? And, and, and the awesome thing that I'm really looking forward to knowing your story because I've had the opportunity to hear it before is, is I know that the shoes you've been in, the places you've been um, are all situations that so, so diverse that, you know, a number of people can find um, comfort and solutions and, and um, you know, a whole, a whole broad array of um, help, you know, wherever their situation is just because the last time we spoke, you know, you, your story is so diverse. And so I'm really looking forward to being able to help you share it with other people. Um, yeah. Well, thank so you. I appreciate the opportunity. One. I'm excited. Awesome. So do you want to, you want to start from the beginning, right? Cause this, I know this happened. Uh, I know your story started pretty early, right? Right. So, okay. So from the beginning, yeah, right, and so tell us I about yourself raised... too, a little bit. Okay, well, I'm Sarah, uh, born and bred in Alaska, raised here, um, traveled around a little bit throughout the state of Alaska, but also uh, mainly just, just here in Alaska. Um, my family has been here for, I don't know, I think the earliest was the 1950s, so we got a pretty good... Um, I guess, area of land here in Soldotna. So we're, we're kind of, we, we know everybody's small town, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. My parents, uh, yeah, my parents um, were together most of my life. They just recently divorced within the last year. And so I kind of grew up in a, um, in a home where we went to church and we, everything was nice there. And then when we got home, it was a little different. It was um, biting, all that kind of stuff. And so it was kind of there was kind of a, a face mask on for part right, of the family. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I don't I don't put blame because I think that they were doing the very best that they could. Um, everybody, you know, you 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 want to look good for others. You want to put on like I'm okay I'm okay don't you don't need to worry about me kind of thing but behind closed doors you're freaking out you know yeah. and I can say the same for my own life um you know I think that you a lot of the times we're raised with something and so we subconsciously or not whether we're trying to or not we bring that into our lives as we get older as well too so it's always right. something to learn about how to be real and yeah. so and I and I so love we, that point because you know you said you don't want to blame and that's that's wonderful because I think a lot of people, something they experience, um, I, I've, I've met a bunch of people. Um, sometimes it's hard not to be mad at your parents. You know, you're like, you know, look at the way you raised me, blah, blah, blah. You know, you could have done better, but there also has to be a level of understanding where they were coming mm -hmm. from. Hopefully the place of, you know, seeking to do their best with what they knew and what they had. And so that's, that's an awesome mindset because a lot of people, have a very hard time accepting that and forgiving that, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, it goes with the saying too. The saying is, you know, you're, you're, it basically you, 
if you're given less, you're expected less. If you're given more, you're expected more. So like yeah. everybody's got a story. Everybody comes from somewhere. So, you know, it's going to affect their, it's going to affect who they are in the future. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it's okay to be real. You know, it's okay to uh, have emotions. It's okay to, um, it's okay to even not understand sometimes, you know, and, and yeah. be able to feel that. And, you know, so I, I just think that's important. And um, definitely understanding where people come from. And it's meeting people where they're at, too. You know, that's true. So, that's very true. Um, Awesome. Right. Yeah. No, so yeah. and I, uh, my parents actually mentioned was like, um, and they had to accept later on, it's like even raising their children, they had to accept that they were wrong too, you know, and be okay with letting that their yeah. children know that, you know, like we were wrong, yeah. and, you know, and just some of the things they did and being okay with that, right? And being accept, accepted of that. But, you know, of course, like looking to improve and do better. Right, not being, you know, not having that have a victim mindset on themselves, but you know, as a way of growing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do. That victim mindset, get out of that. But so, okay, so keep keep going. So this is the family you grew up in, right? This is this is what it, what it looked right. like. Right. Right. And I have a brother too, and my brother left when I was about four years old. And I can say that that was like the first traumatic experience I ever had, even though it was, mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with me. You know, I'm four years old. Oh, I'm taking, he's leaving because of whatever reason, you know? And yeah. so that was like the first man I would say that hurt me. And so I kind of held on to that for later mm -hmm. years. Um, you know, trust no one hurt you before you hurt me kind of kind of um mindset yeah the lessons and you learn so when that. i fast yeah. forward i'm huh, sorry the lessons you you end up learning from that as a four-year-old are so extreme yeah yeah the the yeah like we were saying earlier being real and helping to understand is so important because you know you never know what somebody what your younger child or your sibling or any somebody that just looks up to you in general might might have questions and so you know communicating so is a big thing but yeah. thank god that we have our whole lives to learn this kind of stuff you know so that's true um, but yeah fast forward i went into uh high school and um found a, a boy and I can say he was a boy because we were both children <laughs> and we got pregnant and I had my daughter um, when I was 16. Um, it was very much in a religious background at that point too. So it was no, it was not very a free, um, I guess, free household. It was very much, uh, you sinned, uh, only married people have have children um get married you know right and, and this is my again my perception so so we got married and um we were at not 16? together and so it was very at 16 at 16 mm -hmm. I got married to him and we had our baby and that was the best day of my life even though I was a child having a child you know um 
yeah. don't think it actually hit me that I was really about to be a mother until I held her in my arms and you know she cries and she needs you and all of a sudden you're um, responsible for another life you know and um and so I think that was a I wish I would have caught on a lot sooner to that reality, you know, when, and I when think do you that, feel like that hit you? Do, uh, do you feel like it did at, at any point, like, you know, soon after, or it took a while to sink in or. Well, I definitely remember when she was born, like an overwhelming sense of love that, I, you mm -hmm. know, you've, I don't think you ever experience um, until you maybe have a baby. I've just, I've never felt that love before, you know, and I've ever since I've never felt that love before. And, and so I think there was a glimpse of it then. And then um, like a few weeks later was when I really like, you know, I'm holding her and I'm nursing her and I'm, I'm watching a movie where, you know, and I can remember this so clearly we were watching a movie that was like, um, I think it was called The Changeling and it's kind of uh, dark and and it was about children. And, and I just remember in that moment, like feeling for this mother in this movie, like I could understand, I could all of a sudden empathize with her, you know, cause I, I get it. Like, this is my child, you know, and, and uh, mama bear kind of, kind of thing. And so I think that was another, another moment for me. Um, but because I got into drugs uh, three months after she was born, um, a lot of that bonding and that nurturing and that growing up that you would do uh, was stunted because I, um, I started, you know, you're in a completely different mindset. You're not yourself anymore. Um, and I think that when, when I got addicted, it was really fast. It wasn't just, oh, I, I tried this and then I tried this and then you know partied for a little while no it was very immediate you know and no no real experimental phase or I mean I mean I guess like smoking pot before that and I drank like maybe a couple times you know like I didn't like the taste of alcohol I'd never really been drunk before um but I had smoked pot you know, and I was interested in other things because I had this, I always wanted to, I wanted a sense of belonging, yeah. you know, um, we all have that need inside of us to feel sure. validated, loved, um, a yeah, part did. of, yeah. and so, were, you know. Did you feel like you were going after the, like, the more of the social aspect of it? where you wanted to, you know, you wanted to be part of a group? Yeah, I believe so in the beginning, you know, um, I can't. Like to, to I mean, fit I, in? I, I can or... remember I wasn't depressed yeah. to fit in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that, I, I mean, I, that I imagine story. that would, I, I can't imagine how, how hard it would be as a, as a woman at that age I mean, even anybody at that age to like not feel very different and feel a disconnection um, being a 16 year old mother and married. I mean, you know, I, I don't know anybody married at 16. Right. So, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was definitely a change. Yeah, definitely a change. And it teaches you to grow up, but you don't 
you know, I didn't grow up from right. it. You can't force, you can't force that, you know? I think that's what I really would stress to people. Um, Cause there's kind of a, um, I guess there's kind of a, an assumption that when we're kid, when we're teenagers, cause honestly you're kids at that point, you know? And I think that we think we want to grow up so fast, you know, we think, oh, it's going to be so much better. And, you know, oh, I love this man. Maybe they'll love me if I have this baby or, oh, if we have a baby, we're going to be together forever. Oh, if we're, we're married, that's a new alliance, a, yeah. a covenant, you know, and, and um, in reality, that that's stuff that that just doesn't happen the way that you think it does when you're that age you know right and so there was definitely some fit, trying to fit in and sense of belonging yeah so sad it's <laughs> sad yeah, it you is. know it's sad. sad to think about that well i mean like you said you can't People. you really can't force that kind of change and i think um a lot of times a lot of it, I think a lot of it is cultural, you know, like, like you talked about how your family had a very uh, fixed mindset based on their religion. And so that has its influence and that has its you have to do's and its rules. And so, but um, I'm curious. So you're, you're, you said about three months after you'd had that child, you started getting into heavy drug use and what, what was, what was your addiction to? Um, so uh, mainly addicted to heroin and meth. Um, when I first did drugs, it was cocaine. And then I think uh, I did that for weeks. And then I tried mushrooms, ecstasy. Um, that wasn't really my speed. And then I went to meth and then like a month late or a meth and heroin in the same night, got addicted to meth. And my family tried to move me to Portland, Oregon, um, where I got into heroin and I, and heroin took over my entire life. Um, that's really where I became a slave to, to that drug, you the, know, the addiction, and, um, physically, emotionally. yeah, the yeah. addiction took off. Oh. And so did you, did you move to Oregon with your family or with your boyfriend or your husband? I should say your husband. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was with my husband. We we had a again young thinking, you know, what you're gonna do, you know, and um, we moved to Portland thinking that uh, just a change of scenery is is what's gonna do the trick because oh, it's the people. In the beginning of a drug addiction, it's always everything else that's wrong. It's not it's not that the the addict. It's always oh well if they just weren't around this person or oh if they weren't around this group oh oh, if they, if they were in a sunny place, you know, there's all these misconceptions that that's what it is. And, um, and that's actually an enabling thing that we do is, you know, we don't want to focus when it's our loved one, we don't want to focus on the fact that, hey, this is a dark uh, thing that they got here. This is a, this is an addiction. And this is the person that needs help. We want to make all excuses in the world because we love them, you know? Oh, yeah. And, that's, and we um, do that to ourselves. I mean, we're, we point the finger before we, you know, direct it in the, you know, we, right. before we look in the mirror, direct it to ourselves. It's yeah. the same principle. Yeah. Right. So Sarah, it's a hard you, thing to do. No doubt. I mean, it's really hard to look at yourself in the mirror and point a finger at yourself. 
So uh, Sarah, when you totally moved to painful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Portland, I, Oregon. Yeah. When you moved to Portland, Oregon, were you still sixteen? I was. I was. Oh well. I actually had just turned just turned seventeen. So this all happened. My daughter was born in February. Um, I got married in June. And by August, I was in Portland, Oregon. And uh, it was all right. very, very fast. Were you yeah. able ever able to finish school? I was not. And so that's something, yeah. So I, I got my GED as soon as I got pregnant. Um, I had been taken out of school that year for skipping. And, and so my parents were like, enough is enough. And they took me out of school and I got pregnant. And um, I was, I was rebellious to, you know, I just wanted it my way. And, um, and so I just, I didn't do any schoolwork when I was homeschooled and I, I found other things to occupy my time. Cause um, oh, so you I went just to didn't have, I guess I just that? really didn't have that drive. Yeah, I just went to homeschooling for my sophomore year, which is when I got pregnant um, that summer, right before I turned 16, and then had my baby and got married. Horrible experience. And then we, because we both did not want to get married. So even in the marriage, it was very much like no real love, no real connection anymore you know and um yeah it makes me so even a lot of a lot of things i mean it's so i have a couple questions um but the thing it makes me think of is you know it sounded like there was a lot of already separation in your own family you know you talked about your brother leaving and the way your parents were so strict in some regards and so you know it just seemed like here's the marriage hopefully that'll improve you kind of talked about how you were super excited about that in the beginning and then it's like, oh, that didn't work. Why didn't that work? And so it's, it's funny how quick we are to try to people, all people are so, so guilty of this, honestly, you know, you're like, oh, I need to find that connection. And it's like, oh, it doesn't, it didn't work that way. That was not the right step to finding that connection. Um, but my question would be, I think so many people, especially in their teens, um, find themselves in a place of feeling rebellious. And so what do you feel like drove that um, for you in your life? Um, man, well, I think a lot of, you know, some of it, of course, is just, I think probably hormones, you know, mm -hmm. and just the natural kind of way we, we grow up, you know, um, yeah. you're, you're a child one day and the next day you're thinking about your future and hurry up and give me my future kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also think that, you know, just the, I mean, I don't, I was sheltered, uh, which now that I'm older, I'm like, thank God, you know, and I wish I would have listened, but, but at the time I, my friends were allowed to do more things and, um, and, and I, I really couldn't get away with much. My parents tell a different story, by the way, <laughs> but I feel like I didn't get away with much. And yeah. so I think that had a lot to do with it is that, um, and then probably even the, the just the, the the turmoil that there was in the home mm -hmm. uh the underlying uh toe that there was in the home which at the time i i had no idea but now i know it was 
my father was battling an addiction and my mom was stuck there alone, you know, alone in that and trying to raise me. And so uh, I think that we feel that and that guides how we're going to, you know, get our assumptions about the world. You know, when you first said that, you said the turmoil that there was in the home, and I misheard you, and I thought you said that the turmoil that there wasn't a home, and that's interesting because I think so commonly when there is turmoil in the home, the child doesn't even feel like they have a home, um, and so it's funny how that simple mishearing on my part makes me think of that because I can think of a lot of people's stories and experiences where, you know, or stories I've heard from other podcasts or whatever, where they've experienced something like that and been like, yeah, I didn't feel like I was safe here, which that's yeah. what your home should be. Uh, and so. They never had a feeling of belonging. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it might be that. Did that, did that feel that way? That there was never any belonging to your family or a place of support? Sorry, what? Did that feel that way, that there was never oh. any belonging to your family or like a, you know, a safe place for support? Um, I definitely at times did not feel safe. And it wasn't that I was being abused or anything um, by my, my parents, but it was like, um, I was in my room a lot. You know, I felt like um, I felt like I was in my room a lot and I was trying to block out the, the yelling you know, and, um, but it went at the times that it was good. It was really good. Yeah. You know, when we were happy, it was really happy and, um, secrets, man, secrets, secrets cause destruction. And that is what, what it was in the home is it was these secrets and these lies and yeah. And, and, and if you're carrying a secret like that, you can't be supportive. You can't keep it a safe place. Well, yeah, I mean, you, if, you, if you think about the work that goes behind that, um, you know, to keep a secret usually means you need to tell a lie. And I mean, I have heard it told by so many different people that lies just that that's it. Like lies ruin everything. You know, it, if there's a lie, then 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 there's no truth. And then if there's no truth, well, then where's the light and where's the trust? And um, I mean, it, you know, people can feel that in many cases, but the, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about how if you want to change the world, then you need to, then you need to stop lying. And uh, Alexander Sochelnitsyn, who had a very large impact in, in Russia when they were Soviet, um, and in changing the, I believe the beliefs, I believe it was the beliefs behind communism. He said, if you want to take down a tyranny, then, you know, you, you need to stop lying. Like one, one, one person who stops lying can, can take down a tyranny. I think that was his quote. So like that is, Touches, I feel like that just does a complete one, 180. Yeah. Just, just the power of lying is so deep and, and dark malicious as it ingrains deep into you yeah yeah it ingrains deep inside of you and it slowly kills you from the inside out you know yeah um my dad's a good testament to that you know he had those secrets for all those 
those years and and now I mean he's he's trying to drink himself to death you know and that's not the man that I grew up with either Mm. Uh, complete shock you know but that was the secrets he held for so long they they get at you you can't you can't live with those secrets forever and um that's true that's true yeah they 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 eat you and they and they you know they they lash out and hurt others um yeah yeah well I moved to Portland and um like I said, I got, I got heavily involved into heroin while I was there. And, um, that's where I started IV, uh, IV use. And, um, it's where my marriage started falling apart, even though it really wasn't a marriage. It was, you know, it, it, I, you could only last so long. Um, I was only there for about six months. I did have my daughter with me. Um, and he was using at the time too, um, and so he, he got abusive while we were there. And I don't know whether that would be the drugs or whether that's just who he is, mm-hmm. um, you know, but he did get abusive with me. And so I, I tried to I ask my parents to bring me home and they did. And I'm still 17 at this point, come back to Alaska. And we decided that we needed a, a divorce. This was the first time that I had been without my daughter. Um, was when we were separated mm-hmm. and she was so only he, she was on she wasn't even a year old at this point so she Go stayed ahead. with him um i believe she did stay with him um this is that this is the thing with drugs right is um you lose track of that so oh, yeah uh part of my part of my story is that a lot of the things I, you know, I maybe don't remember uh, about where my daughter was. And mm-hmm. that's a harsh reality that you have to come to terms with. Yeah. So I don't remember if she was with me or not when I came back, but I do remember that that was the first time that I went without her. And um, and that, that, just like- you know, that was a long time. Yeah. Did that just like leave a wound where, you know, where, where you were without her for a while? And you can remember that just like specifically? I, um, I, I, you know, I, I was so sick. I was so sick. The drugs, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't myself, you know, and so, um, I almost want to say that, yeah, it did cause a wound in me, but not a wound that I would be able to feel in the moment. Um, I got to the point where, yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that it was almost like, well, Hey, I'm, I, Hey, I'm only 17, you know, Hey, this is, Hey, I'm getting to live a life where I'm getting to be a 17 year old, you know, and it's the ugly reality of those times, but that, um, I know that now at 29 years old, I know that, that all that had an effect. And that is a huge reason that my addiction lasted for so long was Mm -hmm. because, um, I was without my daughter. And so, um, but at that time, I don't, I don't know that I would have been able to recognize that, you know, but that's interesting that you say that because I'll definitely, 
I'm definitely going to take a look at that because uh, that's something that I know I could use some more healing on. You know, so. Um, I notice, I gotta say, I do notice um, that you you seem actually like, like you have a very healthy perspective on this um, and that you're very humble about it. You're in the way you're talking about the other people in your life, like your parents and your husband at the time. So like, you know, it's, it's very respectful. Yeah, exactly. You're respectful for them um, and not putting blame on them. And I think that's awesome. Well, at the end of the day, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. At the end of the day, um, we all make our own choices and nobody chose for me to ruin my life. I ruined it very well on my own, you know? <laughs> and so um, that's what I remember, you know, is, hey, I did this. Cause along the way things change. Like my mom's the biggest influence. Um, she was the biggest warrior throughout my entire life. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like it's interesting how you end up having a parent who's like that in many cases. Um, cause again, relating to myself and relating to people I've heard, I feel like there's always, there's almost always at least one parent you look up to, even in a, even in a really hard family, uh, setting as a child, there's still someone you still almost subconsciously pick favorites. Um, even, I mean, even though your, your, your story seems a little more deliberate with that, but, um, it's interesting. So you moved back to Alaska. We did. I moved back to Alaska and, um, you know, my addiction kept the same for many years. Um, I did get a divorce from, from him and a custody battle ensued and, you know, um, Throughout this time, I'm, you know, I'm going, I went to beauty school and I'm just going to fast forward a few years because th th it was really just same old, same old, uh, just using, there was really nothing much that happened besides, you know, I, I was trying to see my daughter as often as possible. Um, and up until she was two, um, I had, you know, visitations with her she would be with me for three weeks she would be with her father for three weeks so that's that's kind of how it went for for until she was two and that's when I ended up losing custody um mm -hmm. and when I lost custody it was based off of the addiction the addiction came out to light um I had to go into rehab for my first time and um and I caught a I caught a charge so I, I caught a misdemeanor at the time and went to jail and so it was always it was very out in the open by that point um, people were very much used to seeing me in that addiction. Um, I was away from family, friends, my daughter. Um, and after, in that, you, when I went through a rehab after, go ahead. Did you have any, um, I'd, I'd be curious to know how, like, how you reacted, if you reacted, because uh, I guess that would depend on the state you were in, like, to people. Did you know you were in that light? Did you, you know, did that, did that motivate any further use, or did that have any impact, or was it kind of still sort of like the separation from your 
from your daughter, it was, you know, kind of subconsciously occurring? So, so I guess the reaction I had was, um, once I was in that lifestyle, I was pretty much, let's go hard for the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I was still young. I was still, I still had these teenager emotions in an, uh, in a drug addict lifestyle. Yeah. And so I'm still this, this child running around trying to be gangster, you know? And, um, and so I, this is where lying came in is I started lying about things that I had done because I wanted to, it's such a weird, it's just a, it's such a weird thing when you're in addiction. Okay. Everybody's trying to one up each other with how sick of a person you are, you know, uh, like, oh, I've, I've committed this many crimes. I've done this many drugs. I've, I've overdosed this many times. And that's, that's very much the norm in an addiction, you know, um, when you're in that mindset until you start seeing yourself as, hey, I'm dying. And, mm -hmm. and so the things that I would lie about at this time eventually started coming true because I spoke them over my life. I was speaking death over my life. And, um, and at the end of that 10 year addiction, all those things that I had lied about had come true. And so my reaction at the time was, if you see me as this, this junkie and this, this trash and this, whatever it's hot, you know, and then later on it did uh, fuel my addiction more because the, the pit, the lie in the pit of your chest when you're going through addiction is that I'm worthless, I'm dirty, I have no purpose. I'm, I, you know, I, there is no meaning to life. The, I don't feel love, I don't love, I'm hurt. And so therefore I'm gonna hurt you. You know, that, that's very much the, the mindset. And yeah. so that had, to, that had to change and there's, there's a couple of really interesting points um, you made. The first is the whole one-upping each other as addicts. And I think that's, it just seems like it's a very enabling action. It's like, oh, this is actually okay. Like try to beat me now, um, which is interesting because I mean, we, we do that to ourselves as humans. You know, we, we find ways to enable our behavior even when we know it's bad. Um, but the other thing is, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned, how you were, how you were, oh, I just lost it. You mentioned, right before you mentioned how, how you sought to hurt other people because you were feeling very wounded, you were also mentioning a number of other feelings that I think a lot of people experience. Um, and you associated it with, uh, you know, in, in your case, it, it was associated with your drug use, but I think a lot of people, whether it's the result of drug use, you felt, you know, worthless, you felt dirty, you felt all these other feelings. And I think a lot of people experience those definitely, you know, within drug use, but I think a lot of people also experience those outside of drug use. You know, they feel like they don't have a reason to live. Um, they, cause they don't feel that connection and that love maybe perhaps in many cases. Um, and so it's just interesting because, um, because it's, I think that's so common. I think so many people, whether they are users or not, or were users or not, find themselves in a situation like that. And so I just want to put emphasis on that is all. 
It is. And, you know, for me, my reason today is God. My reason today is my daughter. My reason today is my family. Um, I find meaning in those things. I find meaning in my job. I find meaning in dreaming again. Um, oh, that, that must be, yeah. To actually be conscious you know. must be so, I, I can't imagine. But that's yeah, so also that's neat how too. you make yeah. that point is because you... And I, I love this. I think this is something Tony Robbins mentions is you choose to associate that message with that subject. You know, you choose to let your family have meaning to you. You choose to let your daughter have meaning to you, you know, because you have the power to associate meaning with what you want meaning to be associated with. And that's, that is something really powerful. If people understood that they had that power, you know, you don't, you, a lot of people don't realize that, but you get to choose what has meaning in your life. You get to associate whatever message you want with whatever is in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and some of us are blessed to have these things already in our life and we just kind of yeah. have to grow up a little bit to be able to realize them. And then some people don't. And, and I'm, I'm, very blessed that I had uh, I had a, a daughter. You know, I have my mother, I have my father, I have my brother, I have friends that I've had since since young. You know, and so um, I'm very blessed. And and there there's people out there that don't have all that. And um, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's it's just it's, it's tragic. <laughs> it's tragic. Uh, that's, and so. That's... Yeah. And that's the humility portion of it, you know, is is to to say again. I said in, but it's, it's also important too, is that we do get to choose like you were saying. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I really like, like Daniel mentioned, you know, is that humility portion is, is, you know, everybody has their own story and some people's stories when you compare seems worse than others. But the truth is we all have a burden on us. That is, you know, it's no greater than what we can carry, than what we can bear. And so someone might seem like they have a heavier burden than you or a lesser burden than you. But the truth is, it's that it's the it's the burden. It's their it's their max. It's, you know, an inch shy of their max capacity. And um, and so to be able to realize that. Here's my burden. It might be really hard, but someone else has a hard burden, too, is is just it's such a great mindset to have across the board i mean it is i think it is i think that's a life-saving mindset for anybody to have you know to if if there's a lesson someone want to take away that's a good one for sure i think yeah, it's so true but it that gives you belonging in itself and you know, power just yeah and it just a way of connecting to other people yeah that's true too and there's there's the connection there's the desire for connection being filled that people crave in many cases, subconsciously, but universally um, across the board. Anyway, you know, keep going. Wait, what I got to say, what's beautiful is that Sarah's connecting, you know, she's, you know, all she's been through, right. She's finding the stuff that has meaning to her life. Like you said, Andrew, she's choosing, but it's the same thing. She's being grateful for, you know, I, I mean, you could be, you could be ungrateful for so many other things, right? 
but you're focusing on what you're grateful for and that what you still have. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's something I love about your story is your ability to, to relate, you know, to the entirety in a good way. It's awesome. Keep, keep going. Gratitude is definitely, um, I heard something today and it said lead with gravity or gra gravity, lead with gratitude and um, being thankful for uh, just being alive, being yeah. thankful. Cause when I look back on things there, uh, there was, you know, I was saved from so many situations and um, all glory to be to God. But um, you know, when, when I can focus on that, that brings me life. But if I yeah. want to focus on death, that's going to bring me death. Right. You know, and so that's a, that, that's a hard one to get over, though, too. You know, you got to really kind of you got to purposefully do that. You right. Purposefully say, I'm going to choose this instead of that. You know, but those are and those are stories big... that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And those are big. Those are big notes because. That's common. Uh, that's like that. I would argue that's one of the more um, well-known ones is what you, what you focus on, you aim towards and move towards. Um, but the other one is, I love the lead with gratitude thing. I've, I've never heard it worded that way, but Jordan Peterson talks about how, you know, if you want to live a happier life, then count five things you're grateful for every day. And I can say that, you know, me doing that myself, I've seen a good impact. I've seen my mind instantly transform into a better place. I've seen my day transform. I've seen a bad day transform. Um, so, that is, that is so key is, is just being appreciative of whatever you have around you. I and honestly, people, you know, people are like, I've heard people be like, how, you know, how do people survive when they're poor or in a bad place? And it's like, a lot of times they're just grateful for having anything. And that I think takes them the mile. So true. It is, you know, when you're getting clean, like, I can just relate that to being getting clean, you know, I'm I was grateful for the fact that um, when I got clean, it was all of a sudden, it was easy. This is something I had dreaded for so long. Fear yeah. of success, fear of failure, fear, right. fear of failure in the success, fear, fear of, you know, all that. Yeah. Um, oh, big one, big one. We yeah. don't like change. You know, because you get used mm -hmm. to something, you know. Comfortable. No, yeah. you don't. Security. You get comfortable in Familiarity, yep. yeah the muck yeah yeah and so that's definitely that's definitely a huge one is fear of change yeah that's relatable so yeah absolutely so um so you you lost your rights to see your child yes i lost um yeah i lost physical custody, custody. Yeah. Yeah. I lost physical custody and that happened. That was an, uh, eight year, um, process. And mm -hmm. in the midst of that, I can say that, um, that is really where hurt dug deep was my daughter. Yeah. Um, and in addiction, there's a lie being told that you know like we were saying earlier i'm worthless that um, so many people relate to this is not just addiction this is just in general people feel that this way is i'm i'm worthless i'm not a good mother i'm not a good daughter i'm not a good sister i'm not a good 
woman, man, whatever, you know? And so I don't deserve her. I don't deserve my daughter. And so this lie ensued and was implanted deep inside my head that I would probably be better off dead. Um, and so with that comes, I'm gonna use more because this is what, what it's gonna get me anyways. I'm gonna die in this, this, this disease. Wow. And there was a point in time where um, I couldn't talk about my daughter, you know? Um, it was just too painful. And so that's some part of the victory in it now though, is, is that, um, you know, I, I have her now and I, I didn't, I didn't lose her completely, you know, and I got to see her and I'm getting to build a life with her now. And, and I think that during the, um, during my addiction, that was a, that was something that I never could have dreamed of. Um, you know, yeah. became very bitter and, you know, so, but I can say that when I went through rehabs, I went through a bunch of rehabs and um, one thing that people used to tell me back then was um, get clean now because when your daughter's young, she won't remember this stuff. She, you know, she'll, it'll be, you'll be able to build back better with, with her when she's young like this. And so that, that set into my mind that, oh, I have all this time. I have all this time because she's only two at this point. Well, fast forward eight years later, here she is, she's, she's 10, you know, and I went through three years of not, not seeing her and for like an extended amount of time. <clears throat> and then I went through one year of not talking to her and that's because of that pain, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, when we, sorry, I'm just kind of gathering my thoughts here. <clears throat> You're talking about how, um, how they told you, you know, change, change this area of your life while she's young so that you can, you can actually in, you know, connect with her while she's young and it won't be difficult in the, in the future. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious, yeah, and, um, do you, what do you, what do you think about that? Did you agree with them? Do you agree with them now, now that you're in a sober state looking back, do you agree with them or what do you think about what they had to say advice wise? That's a good question. Um, I think I could agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and also I'm grateful that she was not with me in my addiction. Like I'm mm -hmm. grateful that she, you know, for such a time as it was when she was two, you know, she got taken away from me. I went through my addiction and, and she barely had to see any of it. You know, there was yeah. times where she was with me and she saw it and there was trauma that I will have to face when she's ready to talk about it, you know? And, um, and I always tell her, I'll, I'll always be here if you want to talk, if you want to be, if you want to tell me you're angry, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm here. I, yeah. I try to instill that with her. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, uh, I wish that I, there would have never even have been that, you know, where you don't have to even 
go through it in the first place, you know? Right. Um, Cause I, I, I imagine even at a young age. Go ahead. I imagine that separation definitely is, is hard to say the least. Um, and that if, if, well, that's man, that's tough. Cause I mean, the fact that you were separated, it felt like in the time you felt more of the wound because you lost your daughter and she was too young to understand at that point. Although, you know, I'm sure there was still an impact, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have to agree. I can't even imagine the, the blessing it is now for you to look back and know that at least she didn't have to experience that firsthand, even though she did have to experience something of a hardship there. It could have been so much worse. And that probably feels like such a blessing because firsthand experience probably, if I had to guess, would have been a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear it all the time. You see it all the time, um, children in OCS, you know, yeah. and um, there, there is a blessing in not having your child in something like that. Um, because what is instilled into us when we're young, we carry until we're adults and we carry it until we learn to heal from it. For sure. And, and that, it, that takes courage to do that healing, you know, That's and not true, only, yeah. you don't know, always know where to start either. And so, um, yeah, I'm grateful. And, and in another sense, I think that it also harmed my, harmed my thought process of hearing, Hey, get it, get it together while she's young, because it gave me an excuse to go on longer. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, you can't, you can't get clean for anybody else, but yourself. You, right. there, you have to get clean. Um, just like with anything though, with any, with anything in the world, you know, if you're want to lose weight, you got to lose weight for yourself. Right. If you want to, if you want to be, uh, nicer to kinder to people you got to be kinder to yourself you know right. you gotta all everything and anything in life that's how that's how it is and so that's true the externals yeah. the externals uh, they t the externals affect us but ultimately the love starts within yeah absolutely yeah so and what were you saying hmm no, no stress. Let, it know when it, let us know when it comes back to you. Um, something else you pointed out was a, a life rule I've heard that is so phenomenal. It's, you know, compare yourself to who you were yesterday instead of to someone else. And it, there was a couple moments in you sharing your story where it sounded like you were, you were comparing yourself to other people. And so you were really beating down on yourself, which was making the problem so much worse. And, um, and it was, it was just, it's interesting to see that because, you know, if, if you had looked at yesterday, who knows difference, but it, that's, it just makes me think of that life rule um, of how much more harm we do to ourselves when we do compare ourselves to other people, rather than looking at us in the past and seeing how we have improved or how we could improve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, that was something even in that, that sense, you know, because if we are comparing ourselves to, um, I'm just gonna take my experience. What, you know, I, I was, I'm looking at myself back then. I'm, I, you know, in the moment I'm looking at myself, all these wrong things I've done. And it just fuels me to continue in that way because, oh, if I'm so terrible, I'm just gonna con continue because I gotta numb out. I gotta fill this void with something. And this is my vice. And so I'm, I'm gonna take this. I'm going to fill it and it's, it's making it worse 
Yeah. It continues to compound. Until it's un and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, you yeah, know something. Sure. Something else and, is. Know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Something else that's interesting is um, the the externals that play such a role in that because you know here's your mindset, and then you have all these people validating that mindset without knowing it. Um, you know, your parents are sitting here going, this is who you're not. This is who you're not. You know, your friends are saying things or doing things or excluding you or pushing you away because of something. And all it does is enforce it because all it does is force you to continue to compare yourself to the judgments they're making, which is very, very hard and very, I mean, you have to be in a very conscious state to disconnect yourself from other people's judgments and so when other people, especially people you love or who are you're close to, make those judgments, all they do is actually enable you to further compare yourself to other people and worsen, you know, that, that situation because they're not helping you to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Instead, they're, they're letting you compare yourself to other people, which is not effective. Absolutely. And I see people people have that. That wasn't my experience. My family, my, my mom and my dad were always very, um, remind, they were trying to remind me who I was. It was, mm -hmm. it was definitely a, something inside of me that was telling me that I'm this person, you know, mm -hmm. it was, it wasn't necessarily anybody around me. It was me that was sick. It was me that was my worst enemy, mm -hmm. you know? And, and yeah, yeah. So, you know, kind of fast forwarding, um, when I was, or in about 2015, I, I moved to, um, or no, it was like 2013. I moved to Arizona and, uh, I was there till 2018. Um, in that time, um, I experienced, you know, homelessness, um, and I want to make it clear, the reason I'm not mentioning my daughter a lot is because she wasn't really around. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's why that, that is the way that it is. But, um, right. you know, I experienced homelessness. I experienced uh, prostitution. I experienced jails, prisons, um, psychiatric wards, um, and more rehabs, you know, and, and so it's very, it's very much the story of every addict out there, right? Um, I think the beauty in the story is the redemption in the end. Mm -hmm. um, and really what that took was, was those experiences. Um, yeah. I kind of um, had to be humble. I, I'm curious, how many times did you if you don't mind sharing, how many times did you go to rehab and how did you feel about that? Do you feel like it was effective rehab in the United States? Did it have a That's positive a influence? Um, so what I can say is you can't force anybody to do anything in life, okay? Mm -hmm. That person has to be ready. And so rehab is very great for somebody who is ready. Um, yeah. And it's good for the, the tools. So I went through 14 rehabs uh, they say that the average last i checked the average was about seven seven rehab seven inpatient stays at a rehab until an addict stays clean mm -hmm. um i don't know that that statistic today mm -hmm. 
what I can say is that in the beginning, when I first started going, I was learning. I wasn't able to grasp onto everything because um, your mind's kind of mushy when you first get clean. And so you could only retain so much. And, but I learned some things like gratitude. You know, I learned um, what my addiction was about. I learned that it was, there was these chemicals going on in my brain that was making me need this more, you know, and I learned that I was numbing out. And I learned that, um, that as, as it gets, as you keep, okay. So this is something they taught me too. Is so like, you're, you're there. Think of it as a tiger inside of you. You got this sleeping baby tiger. When you first use drugs inside of you, um, you continue to use for three years, that baby tiger turns into a three-year-old tiger. Well, then you get clean for four years. That tiger inside of you is still growing. So now you go out and relapse and this tiger is huge. Now it's a full grown lion or wow. It turned from, turn from a tiger to a lion. No, it's, it's a full grown tiger now, you know? And so now it's got all the, the, the rage in it. You know, it's got all the claws and all the fangs and, and this, you know, animalistic tendencies. And so you just awoke that tiger because it was sleeping and growing and now you just awoke it and, and then it's worse. And I can truly say that that is, that is true. You know, yeah. you, every time you realize it's a little bit worse, you're digging that hole a little deeper. So, and so, but if I, I understand, go you, ahead. You're saying it always exists. You just have to be careful not to poke the bear. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Learn, um, what you can handle and what you cannot handle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I know that I can't be around people that are toxic anymore. Yeah. You know, I can't be around condemnation anymore. I can't be around manipulation, you know, and if I'm around those, it's going to start poking where it needs to until it awakens. And here I am again at a low point, you know, so, um, so Sarah, the, yeah. the rehab, they gave you, they gave you a lot of tools essentially to help yes. with your addiction. And then um, I want to ask, I, I mean, yeah, we're I, know you're still going with the, I know I know you're still going with the story, but um, like, was it turning point at one of your rehabs where, you know, was it more of a mindset change while you were using the tools that they, they were giving you? In the end, it wasn't the rehabs. It wasn't the, um, it wasn't any of that. And that's what surprised me in the end. Um, in the end, I was suicidal. In the end, I wanted to die. I was at a turning point of um, rehabs aren't working. Jail's not working. Psychiatric wards aren't working. Um, I either want to die because I can't live like this no more or I need to get clean. And that, um, and I had a spiritual experience in my mom's backyard. And that's, that's actually where my turning point was. Is, so, um, so you ended up going, you moved back to Alaska then? I did after, yeah. In 2018, I moved back to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And if, you're, if you don't mind, I think the first time you shared this with me, you also said you experienced kidnapping, right? Yes. Uh, so yeah, it was in Arizona. Um, that was, yes. So 
when I was in Arizona, this was when I was homeless on the streets and, um, me and my second husband, um, went, went to Mexico and we, uh, we were there trying to get more drugs and we went with a friend of ours and we traveled through the border and then we were coming up out of the border again back into uh california and um we got to the border line we were in my car at homeless but i had a car and um i got pulled over by the uh the mexican police so the policia and they they, they almost picked me out of the, the lineup um, of, of the, all the cars that were lined up. We were still in Mexico, so it wasn't technically U.S. Customs. And um, they pulled me over and they had us get out of the car. Um, at this point, I don't remember any drugs in the car. Um, you know, when you're in that lifestyle, you're not really trying to save anything you're just trying to use as you go kind of thing so I don't remember anything like that but um I do remember getting out of the car and the policeman or the Mexican police searching me and they searched the car and they when they first searched the car there was nothing and then they go back um they handcuff me and they go back to the car and then they pull out a syringe uh that had like a, a tiny bit of drugs in it and at this point they handcuffed me my husband and this friend we had with us and they put me in a separate car um and they put my husband at the time and the friend in a car behind us and they left my car or no one policeman was it was me inside my car with the other policeman that's right and he we drove uh and I'm crying because I don't because I you know you you hear stories all the time oh you get arrested in Mexico they're gonna they either want money out of you or, yeah. you know, you're, you're lost. And, and so I'm terrified and I'm crying. And he says, don't, this, this officer tells me, don't cry. You're going to be okay. And um, I said, where are you taking me? And he said, the police station. Well, 20 minutes later, we end up in the middle of nowhere, further into Mexico um, at an abandoned shack and it, like the windows were broken out and they pull us out of the vehicle. And um, on, the, on the way to this shack, this, this officer had uh, put his hand down my pants saying he was trying to check for drugs. Um, and so when I pulled, when I had to get out of the car, um, my, I believe this is the story um, this this story um but that you were mentioning but um when I had to get out of the car I had to zip up my pants he had, um unhandcuffed me I zipped up my pants and when I did that my husband and his friend like turned around almost as if like they knew what was going on um yeah and they told us that we had so many we had an hour or so to to get um, so and so amount of money, um, and that I needed to call whoever they walked us into town. And, um, my, I called my mom and, uh, she, I think that by the grace of God, because who I was with, I was with two men that they, um, 
that they didn't take me further mm-hmm. you know um yeah, yeah. and when i called my mom yeah when i called my mom she had um the ring around with the officials u.s customs and i'm standing in the middle of the, and this is what's crazy is I was standing in the middle of this Mexican town that's very much a border town. It's very much where tourists are. Americans are all around. Mexicans are all around. They're selling their their blankets and their shoes and all this kind of stuff that they've made beautiful stuff. And um, and I'm sitting there with this police officer and I see my mom walk across the border with I don't even know how many um, officers. And she said, that's my daughter, that's my daughter. And I just ran to her and um, that was like one of the first real um, experiences I had that, that, that happened. And then a few months after that, uh, another kidnap, like an actual kidnapping happened. And I'm wondering if that's what you were talking about actually. Um, I just, I just remember you'd mentioned, I could have sworn you'd mentioned being kidnapped at one point and, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to go into all the details, but your, your life experience with your story is just, it's so diverse that like, and that's one of the beautiful things about your story is even though it's very dark and horrific is, I mean, there's like nobody who probably couldn't relate to this in some way because it's so diverse. And that's the beautiful thing about it is the its diversity makes it so easy for other people to connect and relate and find truth or healing or help through it and that's why i wanted to get that bit in too okay but thanks for sharing that that's that's wild and then you know that was um you mentioned the impact that your mother coming to get you had and I think you were before, before I asked that you were about to go into, you know, the whole where where everything turned, you know, the turning point. Did she come from Alaska all the way out there? No, my parents had moved to Arizona. Um, I moved to Arizona a few, I think like, like six months before they did. And then they ended up moving down there because my grandparents were down there. And so, um, so they had bought in a house and they were, they were residing in Arizona. So they were, that's who I, that's why I called them was because they were right, right across the border basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that is part of the turning point. Um, that's where things got really bad, you know, and they just consistently got worse and worse. Um, and at the end of the, you know, when I think back on, on some of these things, you know, um, I almost, I, I, I feel like I can tell these stories, right? I can tell you what happened to me. I can tell you my experience. I can tell you all these things, but at the, but I can, but when I look back on it, it almost seems like it's not real. Um, yeah. just oh, because yeah. of where my life is today, you know? And so, um, Redemption's a really beautiful thing, and it's I, it's freely given for everybody. And it's very you real. Know? Yeah, that's something else that yeah. I mean, if you know, if you could, if you could say that loud again, louder for the people in the back, and 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 scream it from the rooftops. Redemption is real. It is a hundred percent. 
you always can find forgiveness. Even if it's yeah. from yourself, even if you're the one forgiving, you know, it exists. Yeah, absolutely. So do, um, yeah. do you mind going into detail on, on the, you know, the whole, the whole turning point, you moved back to Alaska in, in about 2018. And yeah, so in 2018, me and my mom decided to move back to Alaska. Um, my mom and dad's relationship was taking a turn. Um, I had been clean for eight months at this time. Um, like I said, I, and towards the end of my addiction, I started getting uh, extremely hopeless and suicide was at the forefront of my mind a lot of the time. And so um, eight months was a long time. It was the longest time I had ever been clean at that point. Um, and when we moved back to Alaska, well, um, well, I had. Did you just, how did you achieve that eight months? What caused you to, was it because of your suicide and your, your you know, the desire for that, that you just dropped it and started to clean up or what right. motivated I had that? A, well, I had the, yeah, well, what motivated that? Um, just the the will to live became greater than the will to die mm -hmm. um oh, right well it's kind of like that. was it kind of like that was the it's kind of like the last straw for you it was like you know either i turn around or this is it yeah it was very much a reality that i knew that if i kept going i was going to die um and and that's still true to this day if i were to return I won't there I'll no longer be on this earth uh there's just there there is no question to that you know um that that was my turning point I mean I had traumatic things that go on um but in the end and people could do things all day to me but in the end when it was me that was wanting to end my own life that was the that was the change mm -hmm. and thank god you know because the one person has all the power to do so um, I didn't do it, you know, mm -hmm. I tried, you know, um, so what really motivated that, I mean, and, and I had a group of people down in Arizona, um, I was attending AA meetings and, um, Alcoholics Anonymous in case people don't know what that is, but, um, and that's just a program for addicts, alcoholics, all the alike. And, uh, I had, a, but anyways, I had a, a small group of, old people I mean my youngest friend was 64 my oldest was 97 you know and uh those were the people I clung to like glue like my life depended on it because it did um mm -hmm. and they gave me knowledge they gave me wisdom and they they just loved me they loved me back to life and mm -hmm. and it was so special and I'll forever be so grateful to them because they were really what started what helped start wow. my journey um, towards life, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it was a sad day when we decided to leave, but at the same time, um, my daughter was here in Alaska and when I was clean, that was my number one goal was to get back with my kid and live my life with her. And so gotcha. when we did decide to move up here, it was like, you know, things are going to be different this time. Right. And 
and it wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, I did relapse, but I can say that that um, that that period of sobriety that I did have that eight months started to uncloud the the thoughts, and I started getting instilled into me like that I was important, that I was lovable, that um, I have a light to bring to people, you know, and um, that I'm just as as important as the next person, and you know, and that's what kept me going later on. Well, I, uh, I imagine, I imagine that, well, one, it, it showed you you could do it probably. And two, it probably showed you the light again, you know, big time. You were like, oh, this, this is all a reality. You know, it, it can exist for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but that's, that's amazing. It seems like you know, it seems like you you really, and I guess I would imagine this probably varies for everybody, but it seems like you really hit rock bottom and you were like, yes, it's it's all or nothing. It's it's up or it's it's done, and and so you just you just sought to transform yourself, and that's amazing. What was that? You said you had an experience. Yeah, that, that was that was definitely point in, like, in your mother's. Uh, you said your mother's backyard. What yeah, was that spiritual experience. Like? experience. Yeah, I had a spiritual experience and I believe in God and um, I was raised, raised knowing who he was. And, and so that is, that's my story. And when I was in, I, I, I like I'd said, you know, like I will say over and over again, <laughs> probably is, you know, I was, I was suicidal. And so there's just no, I didn't see, I wasn't dreaming anymore. I wasn't seeing a future. I, you know, it was just very dark. And, um, and I had relapsed after like two weeks of being clean. And um, I was in my mom's backyard and I don't know what came over me, but it was a spirit. And um, I all of a sudden had a dark, uh, I mean, a heavy weight on my shoulder. And I was crying, um, wailing in the backyard um, heaving over to the floor or to the ground and back. And my mom comes out and I, I couldn't really speak. Um, and she just started praying and, um, and I started hearing in the, the, when she first started praying, it intensified. Um, I started hearing like shrieks, shrills, screams, um, from like the corners of the yard. And, um, it was, terrifying you know and um and she had called her friend over and they started praying for me and they prayed hard and um I felt this I felt this presence grabbing on to me holding on to me and and like I said as, as they were praying they they were I believe they were there you know I had to start believing in what they were what they were praying for too you know I had to I'd known God and so I think that once I started saying, you know, no, this is not going to come over me. This is not going to take me, you know, um, that's when it broke. And when, when that, that presence broke, I'm telling you, um, the pressure, the atmosphere, the, the screams I was hearing, it all went away. It disappeared immediately and I became exhausted and, um, I, just, I needed to go to sleep at that point, you know, cause I was so, I was drained from whatever that was. And I believe today that that was a spirit of torment. I believe that that was the spirit of addiction. And, um, and I believe 
uh, full heartedly that that's why rehabs and all these things did not work was because it wasn't necessarily that this uh, addiction was taking over, but it was the spirit that was attached onto me that I had called into myself years before. And, um, <laughs> and I'm telling you what, that after that experience in that backyard, uh, I had a dream and I had a dream that I, it, the number 10 was very relevant in this dream. And my daughter was with me, which at this point, like I said, I was not with her for eight years. Um, I didn't really know who she was when I was with her. She felt like my little sister or something. She didn't feel like my own child. Um, and I had this dream where something about 10 and school, and it was a very happy feeling. And um, I didn't understand it at that time because I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm going to have 10 years. When she's 10, I'll get my life together. But um, and fast forward to now, I was in addiction for 10 years. And right now I am preparing to buy a house for me and my daughter. So that was God telling me his promises back then, you know, and that was after that I had this deliverance. Wow. And and every time after that, when addiction started trying to come back in, um, it was not nowhere near as hard to say, you know, enough is enough as it had been in the past, because that that spirit had been lifted off of me. And um, once God works, you can't, you can't, you can't say no. You, I mean, right. if God says it is, it is. So there's there's so many things that come to mind with with what you just shared. I mean, the first one is I love that your mother's first instinct was to pray. That's amazing. What a great oh, one of her friends to come to. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's just funny um, and phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I mean, wow. The the you know, I guess technically it was maybe arguably your first real, like real separation. And the first, you know, the first step is always the hardest. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And, um, and I love your outlook on it. You know, your firm belief in, in what, what occurred. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing because I think one of the faults of our society is we are so caught up in the materialistic side of the world that everything has to be physical, but it's not the weight of mental and spiritual aspects of your life can be tenfold of anything physical, if not greater. And so Absolutely. that is such a misinterpreted unknown um, or downplayed aspect. I mean, you know, your spiritual health and your mental health are major impacts in your life. And, and just, just like we talked about earlier, you know, everything intertwines, everything desires to be united. And that includes all areas of your health, um, you know, your, your body, your mind, soul. Um, uh, geez, geez, what are, what are they called? You got to take care of, there's like, there's four aspects. You got to take care of your spiritual, physical, mental, and um, there's another, there's another aspect, but the thing is they're all intertwined. Yeah. Emotional. It might've been emotional, but they're all intertwined is the point, you know, and that's the truth is you can't forget one of them because they all in influence each other. So 
I mean, right. they're like the, the legs on a stool. You lose one leg, it the stool collapses. Yep. Yeah. Wow. But There's a saying that they say in the recovery community, and it's, um, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. You know, it it is so true. Um, Because we have spirit inside of us as well. Well, the, uh, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but yeah. <laughs> the idea that that humans aren't divine is very recent. I mean, all throughout the history of the existence of mankind, humans have believed in divinity and spirituality. And it's only very recent that people have come to believe, you know, or to, yeah, to, to believe that that doesn't exist. And it's kind of, it's, it's very silly to think that, to be honest. Um, but wow, that's phenomenal. Did you, did you have any, did you finish or did you have any final um, parts that you want to add? You know, you know, the only thing I could really end off with is just, you know, that for all those years that I had tried getting clean over and over and over again, and I, you know, like I said, the feel, the, the fear of success and the fear, fear of failure were both the hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a fear that when I was going to get clean, it was going to be extremely hard and difficult. And it was going to take forever to undo all those burned bridges. Mm-hmm. Well, that was not my experience. And wow, in the awesome. end, it was very easy, you know? And, and so I think that when we play up how bad it's going to be, because we're so used to it being that bad, we can't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that saying, hey, it's probably not going to be what we think it is. It's probably going to be better than our wildest dreams. And that is what, what my experience. Yeah. You know, um, one is something Daniel always tells me, you know, you gotta, you have to, you have to write a good story for yourself for it to come into play. You know, you have to sell yourself on a good story. And, um, and the other thing is, uh, what was the other thing? Man, my thoughts just come and go. Um, yeah, they, you, 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 oh, that's, so yeah, the idea that, oh, if I do change all this, it's still going to be a world of tragedy. It's like, that's, that's us enabling ourselves to continue staying stuck. And, and Ooh, it's just so funny. It's, it's our, it's, it's just our mind tricking us. It's just another trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really have to, you really have to sell yourself on a new story that it's, anything's going to be better than where I am. I got it. I can do it. I got to do it. And, you know, things are going to be better. Oh, great, great, great. Sarah, I have a, I have a question about, um, after that spiritual experience you had, was that, was that the beginning point for you to go that the eight months straight without relapsing? Or was that after the eight months? That was the beginning point. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Is that wow. really, wow. Yeah. And then, um, you know, what, what do you do now to, you know, keep yourself from going back? to where you were it feels like I don't even have to do anything like it it feels like I just am living you know it feels like that was a completely different person and um like you know I have pictures to prove that I was that person I have you know memories but it the life I have today is so much better than I could have ever imagined you know and um 
I mean, I get to see my kid all the time now, you know, and right. I'm about to get 50, 50 custody back. And I have a career. I have a dog, you know, an like, amazing I dog. dog alive. I can yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's, that's great because the, um, I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many messages to take, but the whole, I feel, you know, you said, I feel like I'm just alive, you know, it's like the past becomes the past. It really does. The past is called the past. It's nothing more than in the past. It's gone. You know, it, yeah. it, it moved on. It's, that's why it's called the past. It's, it's done, you know, and you you know, you talk about how it almost feels like it was a dream or didn't even exist, you know, and that's like, you, you can move on from that. Absolutely. It's awesome. You can move on from anything. I mean, everybody has their hurts, habits, and hang up, hang ups, you know? Yeah, and, for um, sure. And there's always something different. There, yeah. there always is. There, you look up any person's story, you know, there's going to be trials and triumphs, you know? So yeah. I'm sure you guys have amazing stories as well. You know, we all have that experience. Some, you know, it's just, it's sometimes hard to see. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Well, who also, uh, how those stories come together is, you know, usually from somebody else, like you mentioned your mother, you know, how did, and I don't know, was there anybody else that played a big part in your story? You know, I think my, my baby girl did too, because the joy that I saw in her eyes, you know, it didn't matter what I looked like. I could be 98 pounds and have, you know, scabs on my face. And it was still like, mommy, like that love, the, the glimpse, oh. the, the whatever gleam in the eyes, you know, um, that, that kept me going, you know, I that think there's me. someone who wow, says that, yeah. that there's no stronger connection than that between a, a mother and child. I'd believe that personally. I would definitely believe that. That's right. awesome. Your well, heart is forever outside of your chest. Right there, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. How, if you don't mind us asking, how um, how long have you been sober now? Like how how successful is this? Success? Two and a half years. That's freaking <laughs> awesome. Congrats. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it's then, crazy. Yeah. And how old's your daughter now? 13 she just turned 13 so pray for me <laughs> <laughs> oh boy the teenager no, years. she's great yeah she's great she's just you know she reminds me of myself so but she's awesome she's so smart I mean she's in high honors and stuff like that you know so mm -hmm. she's amazing wow. that's awesome I love how your how you perceive the future was way different than you thought it would be it was, oh god yeah <laughs> I mean, honestly, guys, I should like where I'm at right now, it should have taken me 10, 10 years to do. I mean, I undid my life 10 years worth and my life is better than it was before in less than two and a half years, you know, because it's been pretty good for a while now, you know, and yeah. so, yeah. And if I can make it through that, man, I can make it through whatever, you know, that's the I'm just grateful thing. that I have this, these kinds of problems these days, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the beautiful thing about about success in general, but but especially big successes is you you're like I know how to deal with this, or I've been through worse, you know, and and you just you just brush stuff off. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gratitude, man. 
Yeah, there it is. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, that's yeah. and that's the amazing thing about your story is there's so many lessons to take from it, and and like I mentioned in the beginning, one of the one of the reasons why I really love your story is because it's, there isn't just so many lessons to take from it. There's so many things, so many ways. It's almost impossible for a person not to relate to your story. You know, I mean, you were you were kidnapped. You were an addict. You were a drug addict. You um, had a child, you had a teen pregnancy, you were married as a teen, you've gone through a divorce. Um, I, I mean, like literally countless things, you've been suicidal, you've been to a low point. Like whatever hardship someone's going through, that's one of the huge beauties of your story. Um, because that's the beauty of suffering is being able to find the joy in suffering. Um, that's when it becomes nothing more than a sacrifice that you're willing to make. But um, that's, that's the beauty in your story is, is it's so easy for someone to find meaning in it and find meaning in it that can benefit themselves for their own growth and their own success or, you know, wherever they're at in life. So phenomenal. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, you know, the other funny thing is, um everything's a cycle in life and it's just i just can't help but chuckle how i noticed that in a lot of things and here you know you started in alaska you're back in alaska and you're back at at a at an even better place you know a fresh starting point just like you know when when this all started you were you were just you as a human being before everything happened and now you're at the same place as if life were new and so it's yeah awesome to see that yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to be back in my hometown where it all started and I'm rewriting something even better than what like I had left in life as. Yeah. 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 Did you have any cool. any final questions, Daniel, or thoughts you wanted to share? No, I just appreciate you for sharing your story. Yeah. You, you know, you have such a positive, you just got high-fived me through the screen right here. <laughs> <laughs> you got such a positive attitude, which is phenomenal. That's great. Yeah. Sarah, did you have any anything else you wanted to share with anybody? Uh, just at the end of this, I would just like to say that all, all glory be to God, because that's the only way I got through anything. So uh, never can forget King of Kings. But um, I wanted to yeah, just thank you guys for allowing me to share my story with you guys. And I hope that um, people listen to it i hope that they can get some something out of it whether it just be a glimmer of hope because that's that's what that's what you need yeah. you know sometimes that's all it so, takes is a sliver mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i mean i'm right there with daniel thank you so much for sharing this i mean i've i've already heard it once but hearing it again it's like it's almost like i didn't even hear it the first time it's it's so much like there's just um it's Oh, it's such an experience to hear it. Um, and I, I am so grateful that you you joined us today to share that. For everybody out there, there really isn't a lesson you can't learn from this somewhere, but, um, but you know, take what you need to learn from it. Um, because what a, what a crazy story of, like you said, Sarah, redemption, um, because it does exist. You know, you really can go and do a complete 180 and go from the absolute bottom to the absolute top. And so it is so beautiful. Thank you for joining us. Phenomenal to have had you on. 
what a great experience. And like always, everybody, peace.